0: Hey guys, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to thank you for tuning in to our sermon today. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Good morning, TC. Let's get it for Jesus all across this place. Come on. So good to have you guys, man. We are so pumped that you're here. And Man, don't you just hate it. Turn never neighbor and say, I hate it. You don't even know what I'm going to say yet. But don't you just hate it when people point out the very thing in your life that you're also currently frustrated about? (laughs) Anybody have someone come along and they're like, hey, I see that. And you're like, oh, gosh, yeah, I know. Right? I remember uh, as a church, we were in this season where we, we we were looking at this time. For a building. Matter of fact, we had looking for a new building for about six years. And we had gone through so many buildings. And and this is when we were on Fairfield, we were in this small block building, man. We had uh we, we were having three services: eight o'clock, ten o'clock, twelve o'clock. Um, like we we did three services for four years. Um, just like, man, God was doing amazing things in people's lives, but we are like, hey, it'd be really cool to get back to two. Um, you know, and so we were we were in that season and and uh, so this church in Bruton reaches out to us, and they're like, hey, man, uh, we, we could really use some help. With God. The city just called, and they gave us 40,000-square-foot building. Um, and uh, so they're like, come out here and help us get some things off the ground. And so we went out there and helped them. And, and, and I'm standing in the middle of this, and they're like, yeah, it didn't cost us anything. The city just gave it to us. And I'm like, hey, God, you know, like, yay for them. But, like come on, help me out. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, And have you ever been in that season where you're like, yay for them, but, you know? And so that's kind of where I was, like, ah, you know? Uh, and so, and then another, a couple churches here in town, another church reaches out to us, they're like, hey, God just gave us a new building, and I'm just like, cool, 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 cool. Right? So like, so I mean, we, like, we need you to help. it. And at the time I was working at a sound company and they're like, we need help with our PA system. So we went and helped them with their PA system. And then another church called us and they were like, Hey, we just expanded our building. And I was like, they're like, can you come help us? And we are like, yeah, sure. You know what? Why not? Right? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm totally in that season of life where helping everyone else with their blessing is better than getting my own. All right. So, and maybe you can resonate with being in that type of thing. And I remember one of them walked up to me and they're like, man, we can't wait to see when God's gonna do something for you guys. And I was like, tell me about it, you know? Like, and I'm sure you can resonate with this idea of being where you are and feeling like God is like really working over there, but you really need him to work over here. And maybe you can resonate with, like, being a supporting cast in somebody else's story for a season when you really would like to be the hero in your own. Right? And I want to take you to Exodus chapter 17. I want to walk through a story where this kind of shows up for some different people. And if you don't know the story, book of Exodus chapter 17, the Israelites are moving through the desert as they're moving through the desert uh, because they've come out of slavery under the Egyptians. And so they've come out of slavery and things are going uh, not as good as they would have hoped. Um, and so, uh, Moses is leading the people and we're going to k- pick up in verse one and we're going to read a good chunk of this chapter. So you guys can handle that today, right? All right. So we're going to read a good chunk of it. It'll be on the screen. You got your Bibles. You got notes you can read along with us. So it says in verse one, the whole Israelite community left the desert of sin moving from one place to another at the command of the Lord. They camped at Rephidim where there was no water there to drink. And they complained to Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses answered, Why are you complaining? And why are you putting the Lord to the test? Anybody in here have like either kids or nieces and nephews or anything? Anyone ever had one where they're like, Hey, hey, hey. And they're trying to get your attention because they want something. Hey, hey. And after like the 15th, hey, you're like, I'm fixing to hey you through a wall if you say it one more time, right? <laughs> Not that I'm condoning that or anything like that, all right? No, but maybe you've been in that. Moses had thousands of people, and they're all complaining at one time, like I could only imagine, okay? Let's pick up at verse 3. But the people were very thirsty and continued to complain to Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt? To kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? Moses prayed earnestly to the Lord and said, what can I do with these people They are almost ready to stone me. Which is interesting because they had just come out of slavery with the Egyptians. And no sooner than God had released them from all of this captivity, at the first sign of inconvenience, they go back to wishing they were where they came from. And so that's not part of my notes for today, but I just thought it was interesting and we should throw it in there. Verse 5. The Lord said to Moses, take some of the leaders of Israel with you and go on ahead of the people. Say ahead. Take along the stick with which you struck the Nile. I will stand before you on a rock in Mount Sinai. Strike the rock, and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And Moses did so in the presence of the leaders of Israel. Verse 8. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Isn't it interesting that no sooner than God usually shows up with breakthrough for you, the enemy shows up with another plan of attack right behind that? So it's like we shouldn't be shocked whenever the enemy strategically plans to come hit us right after God provided blessing because he would love to make us forget about the last thing God did so that we might not believe he'll do another thing in the next season. So anyways, they came and attacked the Israelites at Revenant. Moses said to Joshua, pick out some men to go and fight the Amalekites tomorrow. I will stand on top of the hill holding the stick that God told me to carry. Joshua did as Moses commanded him and went out to fight the Amalekites while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites won. But when he put his arms down, the Amalekites started winning. When Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and Hur brought a stone for him to sit on while they stood beside him and held up his arms, holding them steady until the sun went down. In this way, Joshua totally defeated the Amalekites. Now, the question I have for you is, what do you do when your role in the current victory is to move stones and smell stink? Right? When we look at the text, what did Aaron and Hur do in this process? They went and got a stone. For Moses to sit on. Well, before that, they followed him while he went to go hit a rock with a stick, which doesn't sound like ultimate like God plan. You know what I'm saying? Like God, we need a plan for this. And Moses like, I got it, bro. God spoke to me, and they're like, Cool. What are we gonna do? And he's like, I'm gonna go hit this rock with a stick. And I can see them being like, Hey, bro, like, how about an oasis or something like a fountain? Nothing. He's like, No. Rock with a stick, right? So then they go to the top of the hill. And, and and Aaron and hers responsibility in this process is to move the stone and hold his arms up. Which keep in mind, this is the old testament of the Bible. They didn't exactly have old spice back then. All right. So can you imagine what their job was? Like, brother, you gotta get this figured out, man. Like Brother, you gotta get like <laughs> right. So so their whole job in the victory in this chapter of the Bible was to be inconvenienced by the circumstances, right? And so let's, let's break this down because everybody, listen to me, everybody wants to be the one that carries the staff in their story. Am I right? Like, how, where the control freaks at in the room? Control freaks? Maybe you're at home. You can raise your hand, too. Like, control freaks in the room. We all want to be the one that carries the staff in our story, right? Anybody, like, ever be the person that doubts every decision that's going on around you? Go ahead and raise your hand for a second. Don't be that, like, all right, no self-righteousness in here. Like, okay, that's me, right? So here's the question that I have for you. What do you do when God's person for this moment isn't you? What do you do when God's person for this moment isn't isn't you like in the face of your self-centeredness? Can we all acknowledge we tend to make things about ourselves way more than we should? Can we just raise your hand if that's you? Just come. let's be honest in the room, right? The rest of you are liars. Okay, so like, ha. <laughs> 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 okay, so like we. We tend to make things more about ourselves than we should, right? No, like, but in all seriousness, maybe you've been in that place where you're asking God, like, God, when is it going to be my time, my story, my breakthrough, my victory, my situation, right? And it, particularly, like, in this idea where, like, we're praying for, like, we can see a victory on the rise and we're praying for blessing. We're praying for God to come through. And here's the question that I have for you. When things don't seem to be going your way, are you full of resilience or are you full of resentment? Are you full of resilience, faithfulness, perseverance, or are you full of resentment, bitterness, anger, right? Are we full of resilience or are we full of resentment? Because, hear me, we've got enough books, podcasts, sermons about you being the hero of your story, I want to ask you if you're willing to indulge me for the rest of this sermon on what it looks like for you not to be the hero, but for you just to play the supporting cast in someone else's. Because it's in those types of seasons where we get frustrated. That's where I get frustrated. Maybe this has not resonated with you at all and you can go to Chili's early. I don't know. Like maybe I'm not sure who you are, but I'm just telling you right now, I believe that's where God is calling us. So I want to give you three things about resilience that we can grab a hold of. Three things that resilience requires. And the first one that I want to give you is that resilience requires you to follow when you so desperately want to lead. Resilience (laughs) requires you to follow when you want to lead. I'm really bad about this because I always feel like I have better ideas than most people. In all fairness, I usually do. Okay, I'm just just kidding. No, do any of you, have any of you ever worked for a boss before? And every time they were making a decision, you're like, I don't know. Anybody ever thought you had better ideas than the person you were following? Anybody ever felt like you were in a place where you were like, man, I just feel like we should be doing it this way and not that way? And I'm here to tell you that it's resilience that requires you to follow when you feel like you want to lead. Let's go to Exodus 17 uh, and then 5 through 6. The Lord said to Moses, take some of the leaders of Israel with you and go on ahead of the people. Take along the stick with which you struck the Nile. So stay ahead of the people. So ahead of the people, take the stick with which you struck the nile. I will stand before you on a rock out Mount Sinai. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. And Moses did so in the presence of the leaders of Israel. And I can see Aaron and her and the other leaders following Moses. And Moses is like, hey, we got to go ahead of the people. And they're like, well, where are we going? And he's like, don't worry about it. And they're like, bro, but I got follow-up questions. And he, okay, where are my follow-up questions people at? You know what I mean? Like, hey, where are we going? We're going over here. We're going to hit this rock with a stick. And it's like, I have follow-up questions. <laughs> right? right? First of all, which rock, which stick, and what on God's green earth makes you think that that's going to change any of these circumstances out here right now? Right? And so he he goes, and I, I can see them following behind Moses, right? Moses is like 20 feet ahead of them, and they're following behind him. And they're like, listen, dog, I don't know what this man is doing. He done lost his mind. The heat done got to him, bro. Like, we got to, like, right? So they're doubting the whole time. Or maybe you can resonate with this. Listen, if it were me, I, if it were me, I know what I'd tell God. See, no one's saying nothing now, but you have thought it before in your personal life. Come on, where my I, I, got good suggestions for God people at, right? Anybody been going through something like, God, I got a suggestion or two. If you could just take it, we'll work this whole thing out. I know you see things better than I do, but I think that I've got the plan that you need to execute in my life, right? And so we're looking at God going, God, if you would just do it this way with these people, and God's going, if I did it that way with those people, it would kill you six months from now. You're like, cool, 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 cool. But right now, <laughs> it would be great, right? Because isn't it interesting how God can see the things that would destroy us and choose not to give them to us even though we want them so badly in the current moment. So God's looking at it going, no, 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 you can't have that right now. But I could see the leaders of Israel and Moses is like, follow me. And hear me, there's always a season where you're going to have to follow when you want so desperately to lead. And so, and here's the reality, you need to grab a hold of this. If you're above following, you're below leading. You see, all of us want to be at certain places in our life where we want to be the hero. We want to be the one that's out in front. We want to be the, but listen to me, if you can't follow God now, you've got no business leading people or anyone else in the future. And so we have to go through a season of following before we can step into a season of leading. Your faithfulness to be second, third, fourth, or tenth in line dictates your ability when God chooses to put you first in line. And so we have to understand that God is doing that. But here's the other thing we have to understand is that if we can't follow the people that God put in our lives that we can see, what makes us ever think we could truly trust God, the one that we can't see? And so we're showing God our faith, our resiliency. We're showing God our resiliency when we follow, even when we don't understand, even when we feel like we should be leading, even when we feel like we should be in charge. When we're obedient to God and we're resilient with God in those seasons, we're proving to God our faithfulness. So In the next season, he'll say, all right, I'm ready to do this with your life. The problem is we like to have what's in the future in the now. Maybe you don't, but I do. All right. So we're in that place. So resiliency requires you to follow you and lead, but then resiliency requires you to change your viewpoint. Resiliency requires you to change your viewpoint. Turn to your neighbor and say viewpoint. So it requires you to change your viewpoint, right? In, in, in Exodus 17, verse 5, the Lord said to Moses, take some leaders uh, of Israel with you and go ahead of The people, listen to me, it is hard to see what God is doing when you stay on everybody else's level. It's hard to see how God, it's hard to see God's plan for your life when you're surrounded by worldly influence. It's hard to see God's outcome when you're surrounded by the people on the same level as everyone else. At some point, you've got to get ahead of where everybody else is at because, listen to me, all your worldly, sinful people that you surround yourself with can't see what God is doing. And so if you want people to help build your faith, you can't stay around people of doubt. Don't get me wrong. We got to be influenced. We got to be the light to the world. So I'm not saying we shouldn't hang out or fellowship with people that don't believe in Jesus. We absolutely need to be people that influence their life. So don't get, don't hear what I'm not saying. What I'm saying is when you go through a season where you're looking for God to do something amazing, when you're going through a season where you need God to give you breakthrough, where you're going through a season where you need God to shift some things in the supernatural for you, when you're going through a season where you need to see metaphorical water come out of a rock because you're desperate in that season, you don't need to be surrounded by people who can't see nothing but the desert around them. you got to surround yourself with some people that's willing to go ahead of where you're at, to see what can't be seen, to be a part of what they've never been a part of before. Because if you're only surrounding yourself with the negativity, all you'll ever see is what's around you right now. Listen to me. I'll give you this for free. It's not even in your notes, but you'll always find what you're looking for. So if you're looking for negativity, if you're looking for pessimism, if all you're looking for is sand and no water, you're going to find sand and no water. But if you're looking for how God is moving and how God is giving and how God is supplying and how God is doing, you'll find the places where God is moving and God is supplying and God is giving. You'll always find what you're looking for, which is why it's so important that resilience requires you to change your viewpoint. You see, Moses and the leaders had to get ahead of the people because all the people could see was what was in the now. But God needed Moses and the leaders to see what was in the future. And so they, they go. And that's the reason for some of us, men. we're we're looking, but we need to get ahead. It wasn't, but hear me, it wasn't just for the first miracle. It was also for the second one. Exodus 17.10, Joshua did as Moses commanded him and went out to fight the Amalekites. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. See, Moses didn't stay down around the battle. He had to get a different viewpoint So, again, catching you up on the story, they get the water out of the rock, they come back from getting water out of the rock, and now a war is starting. And they're like, oh, dear heavens, maybe you've been there before. As soon as God gets you through one thing, you turn around, there's another one, and you're like, God, like, what are you doing right now? And so the Israelites, they get the water, God solves their first problem, no sooner do they turn around from their first problem, there's a second one. And so what is the solution? God does the same thing with the second problem he does with the first. Moses, get out from where you are. Let's get a different viewpoint on this thing. And so he takes him higher. But here's the thing you got to remember is that it's interesting how he only took two people to the top of the mountain. Because, hear me, everybody's not willing to climb with you where God's leading you. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Listen, everybody can't make it to the top of the mountain. And for some of us, we're so busy trying to keep a crowd around us, we're not realizing that the crowd is of everything that's slowing you down. Listen, I want to take 100 people with me. Listen, you don't need 100, you need two. Because 100 people got too many opinions on what God might want to do with your life. I need two praying people, not 100 painful people. I need two people that are like, hey, listen, we're with you no matter what. More than I need 100 people, I don't know what's going to happen. I need two people that I know will go to battle with me more than I need 100 people that I don't know what's going to happen when this stuff gets real. What I need is two people, right? And here's the reality. So many, so many of us, we've never made it to the top of our mountains in life because we've been too busy trying to drag people that won't climb on their own. You just hang on to me. I'll get us there. No, you won't. Neither one of you will get there at some point the people that aren't willing to climb got to get cut off so that you can get to the top of the mountain to see what god wants to do in the now i'll come back for you later but for right now i got to get to the top right and so moses takes two people cuz listen to me, everybody else can't see what you see Everybody else can't go through what you're about to go through. Everybody else can't climb the way you've been called to climb. You've got to get to where God is leading you regardless. So what are we doing? So, but here's the reality. I, I put this in your notes because it's important that we understand when we want a crowd around us, but a crowd without control creates chaos. A crowd without control, a crowd without direction, a crowd without control creates chaos. And some of us want to know why our life feels so chaotic, but the only influence we have coming into our life is social media you got a crowd without control, but your life feels like chaos. And so what do we do? we got to pick who goes with us. And speaking of crowds, by the way, there's a huge crowd that's joining together in a couple of weeks on a Saturday. we got about 1,000 kids we're giving away backpacks to and haircuts and food and all this stuff. And so I'm inviting you to join me and some of our team. If you want to join us as we serve our community to give away backpacks and haircuts. You don't have to cut hair, by the way. We have barbers doing that. Uh, <laughs> We I mean, just so we're clear, you know, like, we all like, can I just use, cl-? no, okay, but uh, backpack giveaway, we're giving away food to families, we're gonna, we got barbers that are giving away haircuts, we're gonna be, it's going to be awesome, if you want to join us and serve at that, scan the QR code, you can sign up right there, or if you don't have your phone right now, just go to mytc.life when you get home, or if you're watching online, go to mytc.life, you could join us, and um, being part of this huge community outreach, it's going to be amazing, so um, it's going to be awesome, yeah, so, but the last thing that I want to give you about resiliency is that resilience requires you to hold steady when things get heavy. Resilience requires you to hold steady when things get heavy. And this is where it gets so real because for many of us, what we fail to realize is like God calls us in certain times of our life, not to be the ones whose arms are being held up, but to be the ones that we're holding up the arms of other people. Now, here's the thing. We're always going through something in our life where we wish someone was helping us. Can I get an amen on that? Like, have you ever been in some season where your life where you're like, actually, I don't, I don't need help with anything. Like, I'm totally good. Like, like you know, There's always something in your life you're like, well, I really wish somebody would help me out with this, right? And, and, and here's the thing. You don't always get to that season where someone's there to help you, but hear me, we should always be looking at the seasons where we're there to help somebody else. And maybe, maybe you can resonate with this idea because maybe you're currently in a season right now where you're the one that's holding up the arms of somebody else. Maybe you're holding up the arms of a family member. Maybe you're the one holding up the arms of your children's spiritual life right now. Maybe you're the ones that's holding up the arms of some coworkers with some situations that they're currently going through. Like maybe you're the one that's holding up the arms of friends that you love so much, your your parents, even sons and daughters, or nieces, nephews, uncles, something. Maybe, maybe your boss has been going through something recently, and you're the ones that are, you're the one that's kind of keeping the arms of that person lifted up. Like maybe God's calling you in this season right now, not as the person that other people are helping. Maybe he's calling you to be the one that's helping other people. The problem is, it can be really frustrating trying to help other people when I feel like I need help. But you never go through a season where you don't feel like you need help. You're never at a place in life where there's not also something going on in your life while you're trying to help someone else in theirs. Because how many of you guys know life stays chaotic? And so what do we do when we feel like we're the ones that are holding us And That's kind of what I want to hold on. Exodus 17, 11 through 12 said, As long as Moses held up his arms, the Israelites won. But when he put his arms down, the Amalekites started winning. Now, for the record, I don't know how y'all read y'all's Bible. This is how I read mine. All right. I could see Moses trying to figure it out though. You know what I'm saying? Like, like not that you play with people's lives, but you get what I'm saying? Like, you know, just like, where's the balance here? Is there a middle ground where it's like 50-50? Like, how does this work? You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, oh, okay, we're winning, we're winning, we're winning just to test the theory, you know what I'm saying? Y'all read your Bible however you want to. So I can see him doing that, and he's like, man, i got to keep my arms lifted up. And, and then his arms start to get a little bit tired. And so we're thinking, when Moses' arms grew tired, Aaron and her brought a stone for him to sit on while they stood beside him and held up his arms, holding them steady until the sun went down. And maybe you can Resonate with this idea of like feeling like you should be somewhere else in life, feeling you should be at a different place, feeling you should be in a different season, feeling you should be more victorious, you feel like someone should be helping you, you feel like you should be winning these battles, or maybe, maybe if you were like, man, if if I were in charge, things would be different. Like, I don't, I don't like Moses. I can see Aaron and her like, man, I don't like Moses' decision about this. Or I don't feel like we should be here. Or, I don't feel like I should be there. And, and I think that's kind of where some of us get with God. where It's like, I don't agree with this. God, I don't like this. I don't, and God's looking at you like, man, I didn't even ask you to be Moses. I just asked you to be Aaron. Like, you're sitting here trying to make yourself the center of this entire universe. You're not even the center of this story. You're just the person I need to hold somebody else's arms right now. But here's the question I have for you. If Moses' arms are being held up, what is Aaron and her having to do to hold Moses' arms up? For them to hold his arms up means they, they had to also hold their arms up. And like sometimes we forget that to be part of somebody else's breakthrough might mean it's going to cause us a little bit of inconvenience. To, be, to some, be part of somebody else's victory might mean it causes us some pain to struggle with as well. Like, like being part of someone else getting where God is trying to lead them might mean we have to suffer a little bit in our current season. And so the problem is, it's like none of us want to go through pain. None of us want to go through suffering. None of us want to have to deal with the inconveniences of life. But if we're going to be part of that person's breakthrough, someone is going to have to be inconvenienced in this process. And I don't know about you, but every time I look at God, I'm like, God, if there's a way we could do this where no one gets hurt? That would be ideal. And God's going, we didn't even get through the Calvary. We didn't even go through the cross. We didn't even get you to heaven without somebody being hurt. What makes you think you're going to get through this without somebody being hurt? And so We're looking at God saying, God, is there a situation? Is there a way we could do this where no one is inconvenienced? And God goes, no, 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 no. There's always going to be a level of persecution. There's always going to be a level of suffering. There's always going to require a level of resiliency in the victory. And that's why it's interesting that we have to ask the question, when we go through it, are we we having resiliency or resentment? Because it's so easy to get bitter when things get hard. And God's looking at us and he's saying, you got to have some resiliency. I put this in your notes, but resentment is always present. Resentment is always present when you think you could get more fruitful, but you're struggling just to be faithful. Resentment is always present when you think you could be more fruitful, but you're struggling just to be faithful. I feel like this could be this way. And God's saying, maybe, but right now I just need you to help hold their arms up. God, I need breakthrough right now. Maybe. Why don't you just help hold their arms up? God, I need this in my life. God's saying, we'll deal with that in a little bit. Why don't you come over here and just be part of this person's life for just a second. You're going, God, I need need this in my house, this in my finances, this for my kids. I need this and this and this and this. As God's going, yeah, 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 that's probably pretty important, but all I need you to do right now is just smell this dude's armpit for the whole battle. And you're like, God, this is not in my plan. He's like, I know, but it's in mine. And we're going, God, I don't think you understand. He's going, no, 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 I fully understand. Matter of fact, the victory that you're going to get, I've already created provision for that too. But here's the deal. When you need that victory, you're going to need someone holding your arms up. And the only way you're going to have someone holding your arms up in that season if you're holding someone else's arms up in this season. And so your faithfulness and resiliency in now is going to make sure that you get the breakthrough in the later. So be part of this now so that you can have what you need later. But you'll never get what you need if you're not being what you need for somebody else right now. And so listen to me. Don't get resentment. Don't get bitter. Don't get frustrated. Listen, gain some resiliency, gain some faithfulness, gain some anger, some some grit into who you are and allow that to lead you and guide you so that you can be for someone else, but you're going to need someone to be for you tomorrow. But here's the reason why all this matters. Are you ready? The reason all of this matters is because someone else was that for you. Listen, pain in this world and suffering in this world and heartache in this world and dealing with frustrations in this world. There's a reason for all of that. The reason you've been frustrated with what you've been going through. The reason that you've had to deal with hardships. The reason that you've felt the sting of death. The reason that you've navigated all the things in your life that you've gone through. There's a reason that you feel that way. And the reason that you feel that way is because that is a constant reminder that this earth is not your home. There is an eternity that waits for you where you get to see Jesus face to face. And every time you hurt, it's a reminder today, this isn't what I was made for. I was made to be with Jesus forever. And so I'm going to go through this today so that I can be there later. Nothing about this world is supposed to be permanent. It's all supposed to be a reminder that Jesus is waiting for us on the other side of eternity. And so when I'm hurting, God, help me be faithful and resilient today because I know there's a day coming where I'm going to see you face to face. Help me get through today. I don't know what's going to happen, but help me get through today. I know what's coming. I know it's waiting for me. And so we stay resilient because this isn't our land. The Bible says we're just pilgrims passing through. You weren't made for this. And so, yeah, when you get frustrated, let it help you remember, you know what, God? This makes sense because this world is not my home. Man, I'm dealing with some pain right now. But you know what? This pain makes sense because this isn't where I'm supposed to be forever. It may last for the night weeping may last for the night but there's something coming in the morning i'm looking forward to a different time where all things are made right that's why second corinthians four eighteen says that so we fix our eyes not on what is seen but on what is unseen since what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal. What is seen, what I can see in this world, that's only going to last today, tomorrow, a week, a month, maybe a year, maybe longer. But it's all getting me ready for what I can't see yet, which is the eternity that waits for us. So I'm putting my eyes on what I can't see, the eternity that's out front. Because what is here, what I can see right in front of me, struggles, hardships, but also joys. And laughter and and moments of pleasure and and all those things. All those are temporary, but I'm waiting for what's coming down the road. And as Christians, we can do better to say, God, right now isn't what matters most. But what comes in eternity matters way more than where I am right now. Let's live for what's coming more than we live for what's now. Because that's what God has for us. Amen. Amen. I wanna give you this as we close. The reason we can hold somebody else's arms up is because somebody else's arms were held up for us, but it wasn't with other people's hands. It was with nails where Jesus said, I'll let my arms be spread on a cross for you so that you could give your life for me, but also hold up your other people's arms as you gain focus, clarity, and a pursuit after Jesus. Because there is an eternity that waits for us all. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you that through your power and through your grace, we can cling to resiliency. Rather than resentment when we don't feel like things are going our way. It is oftentimes hard, God, for us to realize what you're doing in the middle of the moment. And yet, God, you are so faithful to show us. So God for those of us who are navigating seasons of frustration where we could become bitter, we could become angry. We could deprioritize you. You could become an afterthought to us. God, I pray that we would not do that, God that we would become resilient in our faith that you become our priority and all the things that you're doing in our life become the most important thing to us. Help us, God. Become resilient when our stories aren't about us. Help us to be resilient when what you've called us to in this season is just to be there for somebody else. Knowing that you, Jesus, and the people that you're gonna surround us with are gonna be there to hold up our arms in our time of need. We thank you for today and we love you in Jesus' name. If you're here today and you need Jesus, To forgive you and give you a clean slate in your life just like all of us sin in your life may have separated you from god but when jesus died on the cross he paid to forgive those sins so that you could have a brand new beginning and if that's you today I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. This prayer doesn't make you saved. It just puts words to what you're confessing and believing in your heart. And that's that Jesus paid for your sins on the cross and you can have a fresh start in him today. And so if you're ready to pray that prayer with me, the whole church will pray it with you right now. So you're not praying by yourself. I want you to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. And through your death, through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I give you my life. Make me brand new. Give me a fresh start. And I'll give you my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that perhaps for the first time. And we celebrate with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening today. To make sure you never miss a message, be sure to subscribe to our channel. It would also mean so much to us if you would leave us a review. If you wanna connect with us on Instagram or Facebook, just search at Transformation Pensacola. More information about our church or to contact us, feel free to go to mytc.life. mytc.life is also where you can partner with us financially and we would love it if you would consider doing just that as your financial support is a key factor in helping our content channels grow. So I want to invite you to join us next time for another message from one of our pastors as we see people transform from who they are to who God wants them to be. I pray you have a blessed day.